0: Okay. I think it's excellent. I'm really enjoying the women, the sports. It's just awesome. I'm just loving it.
1: It's really... It's it's doing me good. Is it?
2: Yeah. I'm, like, so excited.
1: What's your name and where are you from?
2: I'm Natasha, and I'm from Los Angeles, California.
1: So what was your exposure to surfing prior to this event? I
0: had none. I had none. Um, So this really like caught my eye like i'm like real interested it's amazing these women are like good i'm i'm proud of them like
2: (laughs) we can do it
1: (laughs) hello and welcome back to day two of off script presented by hurley at the surf ranch pro which is also presented by hurley You could probably hear a tractor going by in the background. That is what it's like here in Lemoore, California. Lots of tractors, uh, off-road looking golf carts as well, trolling around the property. Pretty epic event here on site, and I've got a really good show for you today. Um, featuring interviews with the only person who actually lives on site here at Surf Ranch. 20 year old kid started surfing three years ago. Raymana taught him how to surf. Kelly Slater is his mentor. And in three years, he's now uh, getting barreled, making it out of barrels. Like, pretty, pretty interesting young guy. Uh, interviews with board builders, pro surfers, all sorts of stuff. But before we get into the show, I wanted to remind you that Hurley appreciates your listenership of this program over the last five years, and they want to honor that by giving you 20% off everything on hurley.com, everything that's full price anyways. Uh, So the way that you can get that is to use promo code podcast on checkout. So hurley.com, promo code podcast. I'm sure that you've been thinking in the last month or two that you need a new Pair of board shorts, a new pair of jeans, a new flannel for the wintertime, whatever. Hurley has got you dialed. So hurley.com, promo code podcast, save 20%. And then also I talked about their pro series line that they're introducing here at Surf Ranch. Check that out on surfsplendorpodcast.com. I've set up a poll. Pick your favorite Hurley athlete to win this event. And we're going to give away uh, five prize packs of the pro series so, the first five people that correctly guess the Hurley athlete to win this event will win the Pro Series. Individual artwork for each of Hurley's athletes. And uh, check them out. I think, I mean, right now it would be a tough pick between Lakey and Carissa. They are absolutely doing battle this morning, dropping nines against each other. Uh, really remarkable surfing by those ladies. And Lakey's in it for a world title. You'll hear more from her in this show. I'm excited to share it with you. Day two is, uh, I would say, even more exciting than day one. And I'm excited to see what the next two days have have on offer. Like I mentioned, Scott Bass and chess Smith will be joining me tomorrow, so good times here. Wish you were here. We'll be bringing you all of the best. Enjoy today's show.
0: As the clock winds down, Joe, he now realizes he's the new world number one. Julian Wilson
3: is your 2018 Quicksilver Pro Champion and your new number one on the Jeep leaderboard. Wilson wears yellow, heading into Bells Beach. Lakey Peterson is your 2018 Roxy Pro Champion. Italo Ferreira is your Rip Pro Pro. Bells Beach champ sharing the lineup with Mick Fanning in his send-off. Stephanie Gilmore takes
0: her fourth bell. Felipe Toledo, now basking in the golden glow of victory. The Roya champion, Steph Gilmore, maintains that yellow jersey going to value. The watch performance from like Peterson, good signs. I think we are got to have an absolute cracker of a year this year. Italo Ferreira is your champion of the Corona Bali Protected, presented by Hurley. And Likey Peterson hangs off for the victory, her second of the season, William Gardner. Also takes out the Uluwatu CT. Joanne DeFay
3: takes time. the win here at Uluwatu. And Felipe Toledo is your champion here in 2018. Stephanie Gilmore is the 2018 Corona Open J-Bay
2: champion. And Courtney Conlogue gets a major win here at the Vans US Open of Surfing. Taking out World number
1: I'm already recording, just for the record. Cool, awesome. What's up? So, you, literally, we're going to your house. My house that uh, I live here, right next to the ranch. That is unbelievable. I mean, it's on the ranch, right?
0: Uh, on the ranch, literally 50 feet away. I walk to work every day.
1: Who else lives here?
0: Uh, just me, me myself and I. Uh, it's my family's my family's place that we built here,
1: and uh, next thing you know, we had the surf ranch living next to us. It's insane. So. To me, this looks like it's the same property, two lakes on the same property. Are they actually separate properties? Yes, yes, they are separate properties. Okay.
0: But we do a lot of work with, you know, the ranch, and we're all, we're all together. We're one big happy family, is what I like to say. This is my house.
1: This is amazing, dude. right here? How long have you lived here?
0: I've lived here for just a hair over a year now. Okay.
1: So once kelly bought the property and developed it
0: um i've actually my parents have owned this property since 97 uh, okay. um but i've just moved in here i built my little house right here about a year ago and wow. I've, i'm the site operations manager at surf ranch and i run all the maintenance and make sure the waves go as they go and make it happen uh how'd you get that job uh just working a lot here i mean i you know when they were building this place i was still in high school and I just did a lot of work with them and got in and started learning and picking up things. And next thing you know, I'm taking care of business. So
1: incredible. For the record, I should
0: get your name and uh, where your f- your name, age, and where you're from. Uh, my name is Spencer Perkins. I'm 20 years old, and I'm from Lemoore,
1: California. Perfect. Um, what was your exposure to surfing prior to any of this happening?
0: We were all uh, wakeboarders and water skiers. That's why we have the water ski lake. Uh, never surfed before. Never really was into surfing. And, you know, one day, once the ranch finally got established and whatnot, uh, Raymana from, you know, the jet ski driver, Raymana the legend, taught me how to surf on a layered 11-foot long, 3-foot wide paddle board, and taught me how to surf. And next thing you know, about three years later, I'm getting fully shacked and wearing a pair of cowboy boots.
1: (laughs) That is amazing. So he taught you how to surf in the lake itself? or in in the pool
0: yeah in the pool i learned in kelly's pool um say i'm one of the few who've ever done it maybe the only and uh yeah
1: and now what type of board are you riding
0: um i run like little uh five five ten um sci-fi that i really like to ride um just kind of get my pick over here at the ranch house and
1: how often do you get to surf the wave? What are the limitations to you being able to just surf it as often as you want?
0: Uh, there's plenty of limitations. Uh, waves are hard to come by out here, right. but the company does treat us right, and we get a couple waves here and there. I'd say better part of maybe once a week. So
1: One wave a week or one session a week, and how many waves in that session?
0: <laughs> oh, Isn't that the million-dollar question? Probably about two waves a week, if we're lucky. Wow,
1: amazing. And you... Are now able to get barreled and make it out of the barrel and all oh, that yeah. Sort
0: of stuff. Yeah, I'm goofy footed. The left's my favorite. Uh, not many people like the left, but I love the left, and I, I love it. It's my favorite. Get in, drop in on the end barrel. It's great.
1: You are in. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you're aware. You're in such a enviable position for so many surfers around the world you are one of one one person who's number firstly learned how to surf in a pool and number two had such a fast learning curve i don't know of anybody else who's only surfed three years who's able to get barreled and make it
0: i, I think a lot of that comes from you know the the surfing is comes naturally you know being wakeboarding and water skiing i mean we grew up i used to you know compete all over the west coast and ride tournaments and wakeboarding blew out my knee then you know i took up surfing because it was lower impact and uh it's just a fun thing to get on envious one might say but it doesn't come without hard work you know we 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 grind out here we work 20 hour days out here we you know this these past four days i've slept maybe 20 hours combined so wow yeah, yeah
1: i'm curious about um how this has changed the town of Lamar.
0: Um, I would say the town of Lamore has uh, it's adapted to what the surf ranch has brought. Uh, we've brought a lot of business, um, a lot of you know, economical growth, you know, to say one. And then uh, one of the local tattoo shops uh, is a uh, company's named Tactical Tattoo. Um, I know the owner. I can't remember his name, but uh, he's opening up a surf shop here in Lamore. And uh, he's going to be selling, you know, the big name brands right here in Lemoore. You never thought.
1: Yeah. I could imagine there's a lot of um, economic potential for things like that, certainly. Is there any, um, is anybody opposed to what's happening here?
0: There's a lot of people that say that surfing in a pool is not the same or whatever, you know. You can call it that, but this is a -a one-of-a-kind deal. And people who are a part of it love it. If you're not, you better jump on the bandwagon because it's going big. It's sick. It's awesome. Everyone here in town loves it. The only, you know, the only problem we really have is uh, keeping people out.
1: <laughs> yeah, completely. I heard um, that the KS Waveco purchased property all the way down to I don't know if that I think it's Lemoore Avenue, the former golf course. Um, what are the plans for expansion and development? Take uh, your time, by the way, if you want to text first.
0: No, no I i can't comment on that as i don't know any information about that we just maintain the property
1: yeah okay what's your what's your experience been like with kelly slater did you had you met him or were you aware of who he was prior to any of this happening and then have you spent time with him what's your take he's a he's an icon in our sport you know
0: absolutely kelly kelly's kelly and I've, i've learned that very very quickly and uh Never really knew who Kelly Slater was, I mean wakeboarders don't follow surfing particularly and uh, one day they said, hey do you know Kelly Slater, and I said, who's Kelly Slater, and then next thing you know he's, he's, he's my neighbor, <laughs> I mean me and Kelly we know each other, we exchange our highs and bys. he's a cool guy, probably one of the most laid back people I've ever met my entire life, um, props to him for having the greatest idea to, to me on this earth, so totally.
1: Have you ever been? Have you ever surfed in the ocean?
0: <laughs> Million dollar question. I've surfed in the ocean once. I learned here at the wave pool.
1: So one session in the yeah. ocean so far. Uh, yeah. Where
0: was it? What
4: was your experience?
0: Uh, shipwrecks out in Kauai. Uh, I surfed oh out there. A little uh, beach break right there, and uh, yeah, surfed a little bit on like a little nine foot Doyle that someone that I knew over there had, and took care of it. It was fun.
1: What was the experience like? How is it different than what you're experiencing here? And, yeah, I'd love to hear about
0: um, it. I'm a big partaker in step-offs. I like to step off the back of the ski because okay. it's uh, really easy. Okay, <laughs> Paddling into waves, especially on a 9-foot board, is, uh, is it's not easy. It's not easy. No matter how effortless the pros make it look, it is difficult. And uh, paddling into waves is probably – My least favorite thing (laughs) but you know that's ignorance coming from a uh, person who's only surfed Kelly's pool you know and one time in the ocean I think the hardest part about surfing in the ocean is knowing and reading the wave reading the ocean and how it's going to react and if you can do that that's that's a whole different element you know you can surf you can become a pro surfer in Kelly's pool overnight you can't do that in the ocean
4: uh, my name is Aaron Smith. I'm from Channel Island Surfboards. I run uh, product development and uh, production there.
1: What does board design look like to accommodate this sort of a wave?
4: Well, yeah, um, Britt's been out here many times, and, and actually, Britt and I came out here with the Australian team to work with Connor, O'Leary, and Nikki on their boards. And, and we had a really good uh, time with Connor, uh, really putting his boards to the paces, looked at Every aspect we could. I mean, you got the video running nonstop, so you can go back look at replays. They're looking at replays for performance, and we're looking at replays, kind of to see make sure the board's fitting where it split where he wanted it to go. Um, and you know, from that we went back, took his feedback, went back. Britt worked on a few things, also with Zeke Lau. He came out here three times with Zeke, working j- just on boards, watching him surf, getting his feedback, taking notes. He'd come back with pages of notes and. And then we'd sit down and he'd he'd make changes to the boards. And he made some rocker changes because you're not, you you know what the wave has to offer. A normal board, you're trying to really compensate for everything that the wave is going to throw at you. You know, you're going to have flat spots. You're going to have slow times. You're going to have fast times. So you really have to fit that into a normal board. Well, here, you know exactly what you're going to get pretty much every time. So you know the speed your board needs to be going and you, you know how long your board can be. And you know, you know how fast it needs to turn in the pocket. So we made some rocker changes. We actually made some glassing changes to increase the flex of the board in certain spots to help them fit in the pocket better without giving up the drive off the bottom because you don't get much drive off the bottom. So we really spent some time just talking to other shapers too who are here. Uh, DH was here. MR was here. And it was kind of like, what do you guys think? Like, EPS? No, not EPS. Regular PU. You know, is a kind of a talking but not trying to give any secrets it was kind of a funny uh scenario but it was interesting watching it from the side watching brit interact with those guys and you know picking their brains and also giving them little tidbits that maybe you don't you you don't mind giving them but holding back other ones that you're noticing Interesting. so it was it was a funny uh situation but it it was it was definitely fruitful
1: how much of those design considerations are for the wave as opposed to um, any other wave in the world, or how much of them are specific to pool surfing rather than the ocean surfing?
4: Well, that's going to be the interesting thing because you know we we were we worked with Connor O'Leary on his boards here, and then they went straight to Jay Bay, and it was kind of like okay, well, let's see how the feedback is from the pool to J Bay, and he actually rode the same boards there that he rode here, and liked. but the next. But since then, we've made a lot more changes, and it'll be interesting to see how those changes, if we keep those boards in their quiver and they take them to Europe and see how they work there, like the rocker changes we made on Zeke's boards and stuff like that. We'll see if that is actually a, an improvement in all surf versus just the wave pool. So it, it's gonna—we won't know for a couple of months, but we're, you know, we're open to it's a
1: long learning curve it is um i'm curious what the feedback has been from the athletes themselves
4: on challenges with the wave um, i think a lot of the bigger guys struggle to fit in the pocket or fit their boards in the pocket so they're having to go to shorter boards than they would normally ride i, mean, I think i heard yesterday you know kelly talking that you know anything over six doesn't fit in the curve of the wave so You know, you're going to have guys like Zeke, who's usually riding a 6.0. I mean, that's borderline, but he might be, maybe have to push it down to a 5.11 just to fit it in the pocket a little better. And then you're, you know, you're throwing, they're so used to their equipment, it's hard for them to just have a board that's specific for the wave. I mean, one of our thoughts was like, gosh, why not have a board for the left and a board for the right? They're two totally different waves. But a a surfer at this level is so focused on their surfing, I, I think that's too much for them to really comprehend, like, oh, I'm going to have a board for the right and a board for the left, and they're going to feel different. You know, they want it to just feel... They want to be attached to the board. That's a magic board, is when it does what you want it to do, whenever you want it to do it. So, it would be, maybe in the future, that that's the case. You know, you could even have an ASIM right on the right and a different, you know, I mean, you could do all kinds of crazy stuff if you really wanted to dial it in, but, but these guys are such crazy athletes. They can they can make their equipment work but it's just trying to give them those subtle changes to give them an advantage
1: it's interesting when the wave pool started to show up everybody started thinking of designing specific equipment for it trying to ride the wave a certain way dialing it into the pool and as we've maybe been through a year or two of evolution now it almost seems like everybody's abandoning that line of thought and going back to oh no 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 just do what you would normally do in the ocean i think the the biggest
4: challenge is you don't get enough waves yes. to experiment so we brought i brought all kinds of different stuff for connor to experiment with but i didn't even bring it out because he was so focused on learning the wave and Nobody, nobody, not even Kelly, gets enough waves to really feel like they want to play with design extremities. Exactly. Because, you know, if I came out here and they're like, oh, you're going to get 10 waves, I'm like, well, I'm not going to ride something crazy that I may fall on my face standing up. So unless it's, there's a lot more of these things and more accessibility, then it's not really going to progress very fast.
1: Do you think Kelly Slater has an unfair advantage in this competition?
4: I mean, yesterday listening to the webcast, I heard him say he hasn't surfed it more than a lot of guys. But I've also heard, you know, Kano Igarashi surfed out here 20 days and other people had three days. So, I mean, that's where you see a huge disadvantage. Um, I mean, we watched Connor surf it for three days and from day one to day three was night and day improvement. So, um, I mean, I would I would have to say yes, he, ha- he has it more dialed than anybody else. But, you know talent there's there's a lot of young talent coming up and we'll see how they you know do with just raw talent for listeners mainly i don't know if you know this info but i think it's an open door policy
1: from what i've heard with kelly for any tour athletes who have wanted to train here leading up to the event or certainly for months out it was like hey you have carte blanche so canoa surfing 20 days is on canoa it's because canoa made the effort to get out here now that the event has started I think everybody gets two warm-up waves prior to the event just because it's a matter of time constraint you know they can only make a wave every five minutes so everybody was guaranteed two warm-up waves prior to the event like once we got into this waiting window or whatever um so just that's important information
4: i think i think the the biggest disadvantage is people that don't live in california because they don't have the you know they want downtime at their home and relax and where the other guys come home you know connor can come home drive three hours and be out here you know, Kanoa can be out here in three and a half hours. So those, those guys, that's that's where the advantage lies, but it, it is on them to get here. And I know they were scheduling with Renato and getting their days, and they could schedule in advance. So I know Connor came back. Connor O'Leary came back right at the U.S. Open, scheduled it ahead of time, had his two extra days. And But I think it just got more crowded the last two weeks, so you wouldn't get as many waves. So if people waited too long to really dial it in, they were only going to get eight waves a day instead of 15
1: okay first question yesterday morning i woke up uh and i learned on instagram that joel tudor invented the concept of equal pay for men and women and he uh, also pitched the idea to the wsl and months ago and finally they are uh embracing the concept because he pitched it to them months ago what are your thoughts
3: that is amazing like so we get equal pay for women and I dude is claiming credit hello come on joel sit down motherfucker. <laughs>
1: did you see the post
3: no i didn't oh, see my. it um i mean it's it's like it's so typical you know you finally get something that it's like woohoo you know like you get equal pay it's like every sport every women's sport wants equal pay they want equal we want equal salary we want equal exposure and we want equal prize money that's what like you talk to women athletes across the board to the extent they're allowed to talk about it which many of them have it in their contracts that they aren't allowed to talk about things like this Um, I don't think that like that is a realistic um, explanation of at all how this came about
1: it was pretty amazing Um, so let me get your name on the record where you're from and uh, we'll
3: start there hi uh, my name is Jen My last name is C, um, which provokes any number of amazing jokes you may feel free to fill in your own. I live in Santa Barbara, California.
1: So your name really is Jen C? That's your real name?
3: That is my actual real name. That's amazing.
1: I did not know that. I always just thought it was a pen name for writing articles on BeachGrid.
3: Well, that, that, that led to the whole rumor that I'm not an actual person, too, right. which is hilarious. But um, yeah, if you actually use the Google machine, you will find that there is a person with a large media archive um, by my name. And yeah, that's me.
1: So what is your background?
3: professionally. Uh, (laughs) It's a long convoluted random story but um, I have a PhD in US history and I decided after I finished my PhD that I didn't want to be an academic and I was kind of looking around for a job and I started doing just writing freelance and then I just started getting work um, and then I was kind of like well maybe this should be my job so I started like really trying to make it my job and so now it is.
1: So what was your interest in Uh, getting involved in surf riding was there a need that you saw not being filled or what was your interest and then why beach grit
3: oh that's a lot of questions at once um
1: take your time no rush
3: (laughs) they always say right wait you know (laughs) they
1: they who is that
3: morgan masson he lives in my town. I drink coffee at his coffee shop every day. Nice. Nice.
1: He was like episode number three on the podcast, believe it or not, five years ago.
3: Oh, okay, right on. Yeah, no, um, we're delinquent friends back there in Santa Barbara. Um, I think it's where we would all rather be this morning, but here we are. Um, so how did I get into surf riding specifically? Um, kind of accidentally. Um, I've always, I grew up on the coast. I've always been the ocean. I've always surfed off and on. It actually started when a... An editor I worked for on the bike side um, moved publications to a more general interest publication and he was like hey I know you know about surfing can you do some stuff and I was like well yes of course you know like I would love to do that Um, I wouldn't say that I necessarily got into it because I saw any sort of specific need Um, I mean it's I'm not oblivious to the fact that every time I pick up a surf magazine, um, you know, I flip through the bylines and the photo credits and it's pretty much all men. And I'm like, well, that's kind of silly in 2018. But that isn't really like a motivation. You know, you don't like start doing something because you're like, oh, all, only men do it. So I'm going to do that, too because that's just like setting yourself up for like banging on a lot of doors in frustration. (laughs) Um, So really it was that an opportunity came my way and I liked doing it, so I just kept doing it. Beach Grit, Chaz asked nicely and he asked nicely more than once. (laughs) He just kept asking. He's a persistent little dude. Um, Well, not little, obviously, since he's taller than me. But uh, yeah, no, I just, I ended up there because um, they asked and they Like, when you're a writer and people want you, like, when people actually want you, when they say, hey, we want you to work for you, for us, um, you do it. And you do it because there's so often that you work for editors that, sure, they hire you or, sure, you get work, but they aren't that excited about what you do. You're just, like... You're good at it, so they hire you, and you get paid, and everybody does their thing. So when you find people that are, like, actually excited about what you do and want you to do it and want you to keep doing it and get excited every time you send in a story, as a writer, you stay there. You know, that's a place that you're going to just stick around for a while. And it's it's like a playground. I mean, as a writer, that place is like a playground. I just, like, okay, cool, what funny, random thing can I do today? And, like, no matter how, like, the more out there it is the more I'm like oh yeah that's the idea today you know like so I take a joke and I'm like oh if I could just push that a little further and it, like as soon as I push it that little bit further I'm like oh yeah okay <laughs> we got this you know um, so it's just fun I do it because it's fun
1: awesome well, what's your take on this all of it
3: Hmm. it's so hard to know I feel like it's so early in the game to really like come come down on like what does this mean for surfing? I mean, I know a lot of really experienced writers have, you know, had their say on this. And I honestly, I just don't really know. It feels like such a huge gamble to me. Um, this idea that somehow you can move something that's so essential to the ocean and so essential to the culture of the coast so far from where it, so far from its origins, um... And have it survive. But then when you look at the Olympics, I mean, kayaking takes place in in, um, man-made streams and rivers. So there's all sorts of precedents where, you know, you have these sports that originated in the wilderness or originated out in the wild. And, you know, for the purposes of competition, for the purposes of the Olympics, they become, you know, sort of, you know, we do it on a man-made playing field. So it's like, I mean, I don't, like, I always come out here like, I've been out here twice now. I was here for Founders Cup, and now I'm here for this. And, I mean, I can't say I really like it. Um, It's not a place that I'm dying to come by any means. Um, But I don't feel like it's fair to just, after two visits, be like, well, this is stupid, you know, or I hate this, this is boring, you know. I feel like I have an obligation to just sort of, like, try to see something interesting in it, find something that's compelling and I don't feel like I've experienced it enough to really just be like yeah no forget it
1: I guess the most telling thing is just did you watch the event online yesterday and if if you did did you enjoy it and then are you enjoying watching the surfing here today
3: I was in the car all day yesterday so I did not watch yesterday's event and I did not watch any highlights um, I find it actually a hard venue to get to feel like I'm engaged with the action um, because If you're at either end of the pool, you're really far from where the surfing is going on. Um, So I like I kind of wrestle with that. Um, I wrestle with how to like really engage it and how not to feel alienated by how big the pool is and how much like how there's so much cement between me and what's going on. Like if I stand on the rocks at Rincon, I like I can watch somebody surf right there. You know, or if you go down to trestles, you're standing on the beach. They're surfing right in front of you, and you feel a connection that I feel like is hard to establish here. Um, For me, like the middle of the pool is really where I found like I kind of start to feel like I'm seeing something live and real and compelling. Um, At the ends, I feel sort of like I'm hanging out with friends, Um, and the surfing is sort of this thing that's going on in the background. And I think it's hard to like because the wave is the same, I think it's hard to tell the difference among the performances. Like, you really have to watch them carefully to see any difference between, you know, kind of how people are surfing, unless they just full-on fall down. Then you're like, okay, well, that one didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, seeing, for example, Carissa Moore's first right live from the middle of the pool, you can really, really, really see the power in those turns. But, like, from the end of the pool, I would not have been able to see that. Um, so I think it's, it's a mixed bag in terms of a spectating experience, I think. Um, like, yeah, I, I wrestle with it. I mean, I don't really have an answer yet to whether I think it's a fun sporting event or whether it really presents the sport in a way that's compelling. Um, I'm still sort of tripping on, like, how alien it feels
1: that's an excellent takeaway i mean that's exactly how i feel and i think how everybody feels and it's hard to articulate but that's it we're in flux still
3: Yeah, yeah yeah i mean i don't feel like we we know enough to really be like yeah this is one thing or the other
1: i'm here with santa barbara's finest in 2018 women's world title contender lakey peterson there's a couple of people that live on the property right there that own this neighbor property. And the lady that's working the gate right there, I was talking to her earlier. She saw your nine point ride. She has never seen surfing in real life in her life. And I happen to walk up when she was viewing it on the big screen. She's clapping and tripping and she's like, the ladies can do it. The ladies are taking out the guy. She's like, this makes me feel so good. She's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So I thought that oh, you'd awesome. appreciate that. And I, I do. You're nine.
2: Oh, good. I'm glad she uh, she's enjoying it. Must be weird for her to like all of a sudden have this going on in her backyard. <laughs> but um, which is why I talked to her.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because it's like, what? How has this affected the local community? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm sure it has in such a huge way. But uh, yeah, it's it's cool. I think all the ladies have really stepped up, um, and I think it's just you know just the beginning of what where women surfing is going to go. And um, you know the next few runs tomorrow I think will be really cool for everyone to try and do better than today and all the nerves kind of are a little a little little less jittery at least hopefully so yeah, yeah it's been fun
1: Is that the biggest challenge? The nerves?
2: I think so. I mean for me at least I like I got to do the, uh, the Founders Cup and I think that was actually helpful for me in a way because there were so many fans here for that one and so I kind of knew like what it's like with people here and um it just adds this like different element of pressure just knowing you're only getting like a few chances and then that's that is like it's totally scary but I think also it's cool because I feel like it it makes people rise up a little bit more like you've got to perform you almost will your way like even on my nine that little barrel at the end I was like oh my gosh I, I think I went too deep and I was like no you have to make it like you don't really you get one more try but like you've got it you've got to make it And you kind of just will your way to do it almost you know
1: I think that might be the difference between the top performers and everybody else Mm. is being able to will it into existence, you know?
2: (laughs) It's true. Even, um, you know, the the couple days before this event, we all got, like, two waves a day, like, two practice waves. So it was, you know, you didn't obviously want to fall on those, like, only two waves. But everyone was up here practicing, doing their two waves. And, like, even in the warm-ups, it was almost good for being in the event because it was, like, that pressure of okay, this is your only chance today. Like, you just want to finish the wave or, you know, not fall. So, um, yeah, I think people who are really competitive and dig deep kind of just somehow don't fall. I don't know.
1: I think surfers have been given almost a free pass in a lot of ways, given that we can go down the beach and surf to warm up or shake it out, uh, shake off the nerves, whereas every other real sport that you look at, golf or tennis specifically, once you're on the... You don't get to warm up, necessarily. And once you're on the court, it's game on. You have to go from, like, 0% to 100% game face immediately. And this is more like that.
2: Totally. Or more, yeah, like, snowboarding even is a good example. Like, half-pipe in the Olympics and right. stuff like that. It's, like, very similar to what those athletes feel, which gives me a lot of respect for all those athletes. Um, because it's hard. It's scary, you know? And I think, too, because this whole wave pool thing's new for us and this is the first time we're all doing it, like... Maybe that adds even more of that, like, scary factor. I think that years to come or more events in these things, you'll see a bit more comfortability there. And, you know, maybe in the future we'll have maybe one or two more waves. Everyone can kind of have a bit more chance and not feel as scared. (laughs) But totally, I mean, it's it's making it a, a lot more similar to other sports or, like, what the Olympics would feel like, too, you know? Is that a good thing? I think it's good and bad. I mean, I think the ocean and surfing heats is and should always remain like the focus of surfing because that is surfing and that's where it was born and that's you know nothing nothing can replace that you know and I think the WSL recognizes that and and feels the same way um and I think the thing with the wave pools is like it's just there's a place for wave pools and it's amazing for training or getting better like example I could not backside too bad like two weeks ago up here I was just getting lipped in the head I swear to you like 90% of waves I was not making and then today by today like I made That was my best thing was the tube on the left. So, um, I think for the progression standpoint, it's a great thing, but it's just knowing, you know, knowing its place and, and nothing really can replace like a Fiji or it's Edie or, you know, anything like that in the ocean, you know? How
1: do you, how do you feel about this contest applying towards world title points given that A, it's in a pool and then B, it's a totally different format?
2: Yeah. I thought about that when they first told us they were going to do this event, um, I kind of thought it, I saw it coming, but it, it's scary. You know, it's there's only three events left for us, so it kind of falls at a time of year where it's like really crucial um, with the world title on the men's and women's side. You know, there's this and then and then uh, France and Hawaii, and a lot of people get crowned in France world champ, So you know, technically speaking, could be the last event before the world title goes down. So um, it seemed maybe a bit close to that, but uh, you know, and with it being a leaderboard format instead of a heat format i totally agree with that because a heat wouldn't really work out here so the leaderboard thing i think does make the most sense um and it's it's cool that they're keeping one left and one right because i feel like not having left on tour really even though we had great lefts um in brazil this year it was awesome but i think having to keep a left and having to keep right it's not just your top two rides is a really good thing like it's not you know otherwise most people like myself aside from today was an exception that i got a nine on the left but like i'm better going right generally speaking so i think it's good they make you choose one from each direction uh
1: it looks like a it looks like a flawless wave what is the biggest challenge to the wave
2: um yeah i think the biggest challenge it is it's i mean it's perfect obviously but the speed of the wave is just different than the ocean i don't know How to really describe that, but it just it's very unforgiving. So in the ocean, like obviously we surf fast waves like a snapper on tour or some, you know, stuff like that where it's a really quick wave. But even then, it's still like if you dig a rail or get caught behind, it's the ocean, like you have a little bit more forgiveness to still make the wave or like make up for it, or this is I mean that foil is just going, and once it's going, it's not stopping at all, you know. So it's if you dig a rail or you slow down too much, it's just you can't get back in front of it once you're behind it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure. So that's been the biggest learning curve for myself, at least, of, like, knowing how to time things, you know, not overcooking it on certain sections and then being caught up in the lip too long because you won't be able to recover.
1: Um, is the arena atmosphere an added challenge? Um,
2: I don't think it is an added challenge. I think it's, like, an added... I like it. I don't know. I like, like... But I'm more of like, I, I love this cargo back. I don't mind a little bit more pressure. Like, I sort of think that's when I almost do my best a little bit. So I think it's really cool, you know. And when we surf at the beach, I mean, look at Brazil or, like, U.S. Open. There's so many fans on the beach. And granted, they're a bit further away from you when you're in the ocean and they're all the way on the beach. And here the fans are, like, a lot closer. You can hear them yelling before your waves. And it's – you can kind of feel that energy more. Um so I don't know if I would say it's not a challenge, but it's definitely like an added, maybe a bit of pressure, which which I sort of like.
1: There's that element of the arena. The kind of additional element is just not being able to go anywhere without being recognized, which I guess Brazil and Huntington are similar in that respect. But if you're staying at the Tachi and you're walking through the <laughs> lobby, you're going to get stopped. And yeah. I don't know, we're in a transition phase right now where surfers are becoming legit celebrities. Yeah, um is that added pressure does that change the way that you approach an event at all prep for an event anything like that
2: Um yeah that's a great question cuz I would I feel the same way I think um even doing the Founders Cup here like in this event everyone knows where you're going to be the fans can walk like really close to our area like we have one little area that we're in for our boards and stuff that fans can't come into but other than that like the moment you leave that little locker room anyone can come say hi which is similar to the beach but there it's more like you're just straight up and down from the competitors area so you don't you know you just stop on your way in and and sign a few autographs so it's definitely a little bit more you got to guard yourself here i've i put the ac on in my hotel room at the tachi and i don't go out too much um So, yeah, I mean, that's an added element. I think it's kind of cool for the fans as well, though, on their side of things, that they're so close to us and able to, like, really see us prepare and warm up and all that. Um, But I've definitely been a bit more guarded. I mean, I don't come outside of the locker room too often for a reason. So, yeah.
1: Which I really do think that's going to be this is a new era of professional surfing I think somebody the Brazilians who are used to like the kind of pandemonium on the beach Felipe and Gabriel they you don't see any hindrance in their performance in an arena atmosphere because they're accustomed to it yeah. I think Canoa has done a great job yeah. especially this year at the US Open like calling the crowd into a frenzy which you got to imagine juices the judges <laughs> a little bit whether the judges want to accept it or not and he's embraced it and I'm sure that in his quiet time he's doing what you're doing he's locking himself down and having that private time but he's done a great job of embracing the celebrity aspect of it also probably because he had that in his childhood in Japan you know but I think that's the new era of surfing I think when we get 10 years down the road those are going to be the people who succeed because they're able to um, perform under pressure you know they're used to the pressure they're used to using it for their advantage
2: totally I couldn't agree more I think like pressure you can it can go one of two waves. Either people crack or they rise to the occasion and like Kanoa, that was such a great example. I mean that was like everything in that last wave with the beach going crazy. I mean that's a perfect example of it. And it's just like you said, I mean it's just having a balance in your life of like okay I'm gonna be a little selfish today and just stay inside and not feel bad about maybe, you know, turning down an interview or saying hi to a friend or something. And then knowing when you can go out and kind of let your hair down a bit and go say hi and um, just the timing of that and when it's acceptable. And each person would be different, I would imagine. You know, some people can be social butterflies all day or others, like myself, I'm more – I like to just kind of cruise and and have my people around me and that's it. But, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think performing under pressure is going to be the key to, like, definitely this event, um, definitely the Olympics, and then if you can apply that to a whole season – On the tour, I mean, that's ultimately, like, those are the people who are winning world titles or in that hunt, you know?
1: Perfect segue. Um, You're obviously in, arguably, the most hotly contested world title battle that we've seen in a long time on either the men or the women's side, and it started at event one. Um, What will it take to win a world title?
2: Oh, goodness. I mean, this year, with the situation between myself and Stephanie, um... I just am like, I have to win at least two out of the next three events. In my head, this is how I'm teeing it up. Because she's performing so well and will continue to do so and talk about someone who does well under pressure. Like, that is her middle name, (laughs) practically. So, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I just have the expectation of myself that I have to win. And, um, And also, like, I don't know, I've had this theory of, like, you have to win or lose on your own two feet. I think a lot of times it's easy to be like, oh, I hope they don't make their heat or I hope like (laughs) you know they don't make the final or they fall and and that's cool but ultimately like I've got to do it on my own two feet win or lose so it's just it's all on me and I just gonna focus on my game and and not play into like too much of this like like you versus Stephanie thing it's more just like no it's me versus me and I want to learn and I want to enjoy this situation that I'm in right now because it's so cool and unique and there's so much for me to be able to like take away from it win or lose so I'm more just like I want to put my best forward and apply like my best surfing and focus on myself and hopefully that will like produce the outcome I want but if it doesn't then sweet I'm going to learn so much from it and next year's going to be awesome and um, you know hopefully I can just be better from it
1: glad to hear you say that because I actually prepped that question as well which is how much are you paying attention to Stephanie Mm. in this event are you watching her waves how much you but my thought When I was asking that, is you shouldn't be paying it. You should be focusing on yourself because, kind of like you were saying with that backhand barrel, you can will your way through it. You can will your way into it. And whoever imposes their will on the other person is ultimately the one who ends up on top.
2: Totally. I think, I mean, obviously, I'm paying attention to what everyone's doing and seeing how they're scoring girls. And like, I'm going to watch Steph because she's going to surf the right really well. So, if I can take, take you know, learn from her a little bit and what she's doing and what, you know, how she's riding the barrel, like, that's great. I can use that to my advantage to learn and, like, hopefully get a better score tomorrow. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is me versus me. Like, it's, it, no, it's, especially here, you know, at a wave pool, it's, like, it's not even a heat. There's not paddle battles. There's not priority. It's, like, it's you in this wave and how well can you perform? And that's just, like, that's where I want to put my focus because, if I'm focusing on her or, like, anyone else, then then you don't have any room to focus on yourself. And ultimately, like, that's what matters the most for performing. For right.
1: All right, two softball questions. Um, this Hurley Team Pro Series line of clothing, why'd you pick the links?
2: Huh. Um, it's weird. No one went for, like, I thought, like, like some sort of cat, like, lion links... I don't want to say that I'm, like, super cool or badass, but, like, <laughs> at all, because I'm actually the biggest dork in the world. No, but... that's what you need to take down staff. <laughs> yeah. You need to be the badass. I tell myself that when I'm getting on a weight, but... Uh, okay. I yeah. think... Uh, no, I just appreciate, like, how their nature as animals, they're, like, kind of reserved, but, um, you know, are pretty fast and agile when they need to be, and I don't know, I'm a bit more reserved. Like, I have my little circle, and I, I really put a lot into those sorts of people in my life, and then I guess I'm sort of... I try and surf really quick and fast and like dynamic and it's sort of the nature of like any sort of cat and the lynx definitely has that. So that's sort of where that idea came about.
1: Thanks for that, Lakey. If you want to see her Lynx Pro Series line of clothes, you know where to do it, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Vote in our poll to pick the Hurley team rider that you think will win the event and we will give a Pro Series prize pack to the first five people to correctly select the winners. Do the poll from a desktop computer, by the way. It seems not to be displaying on iPhones. Um, And, of course, take advantage of Hurley's offer to listeners 20% off everything at Hurley.com. Just use the promo code podcast. A couple of day-end thoughts and emails that I'll go through and then close out with the event picks from both Lakey Peterson and Aaron Smith. First email says, Cheers from a crew of surfers from Fresno who drive by the surf ranch three times per week on our way to surf in the ocean. If you talk to Slater, please ask him to be a good neighbor and have a locals day for God's sake. Believe it or not, there are dedicated surfers in the Central Valley. Thank you for that. Uh, I've actually been getting a lot of notes about online viewers being bored watching the live event, which is clearly a concern that I've discussed on the podcast, ad nauseum probably. But on-site, I find myself and others only casually watching the actual surfing. Even looking away mid-wave, which is something that would never happen in an ocean event. Once somebody stands up on an ocean wave during an event, especially, everybody's glued to see what that surfer is doing. So I think we're kind of all in agreement that there is definitely value to riding these manufactured waves and even holding an event in this venue. And there's definitely tremendous value in reviewing the highlight moments of those waves being ridden so i suppose the new solution that we're really dealing with here uh, is just we're trying to develop the best viewing experience for these things what is the best way to package and display what's taking place here so here's an email kind of um in that regard quote i'm watching the surf ranch pro and i have an observation we as the general public we are just getting to know the wave We know what good surfing looks like on a wall at J Bay. We have a bank of experience to call on and compare. From Tom Curran's first wave, Aki's attack, Parco's flow, mixed speed, and Felipe's new standard. At Surf Ranch, we're really still getting to know all of these sections. Even though we've seen it a bit, it's only been a year. So the challenges and what is possible is still yet to be defined. As we watch, we will develop standards, know what the surfer missed, know what great surfing looks like then we will be interested end quote it's a great email thank you for that lastly a dm instagram just came through says quote i don't know what it's like being there live but i'm really enjoying the event online you can feel the pressure building by the way yesterday's podcast was great long form interviews are great but sometimes it's nice to just get those short quick hits in as well well done so thanks for that, noted. I will keep that in mind as we roll through the weekend here. Again, Chas Smith and Scott Bass will be joining me tomorrow for day three of Off Script, presented by Hurley, a behind-the-scenes look of the Surf Ranch Pro, also presented by Hurley. I hope that you're enjoying this style of content. Send feedback. Hopefully we can do this uh, at future events throughout the year and uh, years to come. I'd love to be a part of it and uh, thoroughly enjoying the experience. So thanks. Until tomorrow, I will leave you with Aaron Smith of Channel Island Surfboards and 2018 world title contender, Lakey Peterson. This is David Scales. Enjoy.
4: Gosh, women's side, I mean, I think... I think it really could come down to, to Lakey and Steph, and I think Lakey will have her on the left. Um, Steph is going to get her on the right, but it's you have to get two waves, not just one. Um, for the men, ooh, I don't know. I think I think if the wind comes up and it's onshore on the left, it's going to be a goofy footer. So it could be a Italo or Gabriel if it's windy. If it's glassy, it's uh, probably uh, Philippe.
1: Who's gonna win the men's side?
2: I mean (laughs) if you didn't say Felipe Toledo to that to answer that question, you'd almost seem like dumb. (laughs) So I would I would say Felipe. That being said, um there's a probably three guys in my head that are like totally can take it out though. It's not like he's got a clear walkway one way. I mean I think he's got the best chance. So if I were to put money down it'd be on him. Um, but I mean, Medina's insane. Julian was ripping the other day doing incredible airs. So those two guys are going to be right there with them too.
1: Who's going to win the women's side?
2: <sighs> I'm going to win the women's side. <laughs>
1: Perfect. All right, thank you. All
2: right.